Welcome to the second episode of Engineering Reimagined. I'm Kale Maestri. Humanity depends on engineering to help solve the wicked problems our world faces. In this podcast series, we explore how, like engineers, people from all walks of life are reimagining the future and their leadership roles in it. If global food waste was a country, it would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter behind China and the United States. This is just one of the alarming statistics about waste in our world. Yet look into any tip in any country and you'll find mountains of rubbish packed with useful elements like carbon, hydrogen, materials like silica, titania and metals. These are valuable elements that industries would otherwise source from virgin resources to make new products. In engineering, most of the discussion around sustainability focuses on design. However, today's conversation is focused on materials, specifically on waste and the groundbreaking work taking place on how it can be recycled back into the ecosystem. Today's interview takes place between Professor Veena Sahajwala and Dr. Kurosh Kevani. Veena is an internationally recognized inventor and professor of material science at the University of New South Wales. She's a founding director of the University's Centre for Sustainable Materials Research and Technology, an Australian Research Council Laureate Fellow, and many listeners in Australia may remember her as a long-serving judge on the ABC television's The New Inventors. Interviewing Veena is Dr. Kurosh Kevani, the Managing Director, Design, Innovation and Eminence at Oricon. In his nearly 30 years in the industry, Kurosh has played key roles in the engineering of many innovative structures across the globe, including Wembley Stadium in the UK, West Kowloon Terminus in Hong Kong, and high-profile projects in Australia. Kurosh and Veena are both award-winning experts in their fields, too many to mention here. Sit back and enjoy their chat. Will they be talking garbage? You bet. Veena is revolutionizing the science of recycling to help global industries safely use toxic and complex wastes as low-cost alternatives to raw materials and fossil fuels. Veena's passion focuses on mining the mountains of rubbish and waste materials produced by modern society and reusing them in industrial processes or to create new goods. Vina, one of your major breakthroughs came when you invented an environmentally friendly process that recycled rubber tires from used cars into part replacement in steelmaking. Your process was patented, won multiple awards, required less energy, reduced carbon emissions, and reframed rubbish as a valuable resource. The first question I have is, why had no one else thought of doing this? Uh, sometimes it's one of those discoveries that actually happens because you've thought about the science for so long. It was very much about saying, well, you know, steelmaking requires all kinds of exciting high temperature chemical reactions. So it's about where at the molecular level we can source these types of inputs from. You know, people may realize that steel is nothing but an alloy and at the very basic level it's iron and carbon uh, and potentially many other elements in it. So the ability to in fact have, you know, another source 
that can offer carbon as a fantastic resource in that process of making steel uh, was really something that came about as a result of one of those, you know, moments when you're sitting and looking at the phenomena in your labs and you actually are going, wait a minute, actually at such high temperatures, the transformation of complex materials, in fact, takes place to the point where we can reform those fundamental molecules. So steel making temperatures are so high that at 1550 degrees Celsius, you're triggering off that transformation. What we've done is reformed that you know, complex tire into these absolutely simple you know, molecules of gas. So that's really where it's it's exciting to think that, you know, we should be looking at materials not just simply at the macro level, you know, a big tire, but rather if you could zoom down at the micro level and you could actually reimagine what those elements might look like under different manufacturing conditions, you know, we there should be no limits mm. in the way we look at how our resources are in fact being sourced. To me, it's it's absolutely fascinating and mind-blowing. And, and that's why I love engineering so much. <laughs> well, it's fascinating indeed. Your process, we're not only repurposing waste, not creating more waste on our planet, we're actually creating an improved product. So you turning waste to valuable asset uh, yeah, that yeah. you it's, it gives you a steel with characteristics that are better than normal steel. The reason why we're looking at, you know, uh, metals like steel and copper, we can source them from a lot of waste resources. Steel is already produced uh, in many parts of the world from scrap metal. So mm-hmm. scrap steel is converted into new steel. But the process of making this new steel in electric arc furnace steel making is something that's been around for a long time. However, the carbon that actually goes into that steel making process has traditionally relied on coal and coke uh, based resources. So our ability to actually, you know, bring in new raw materials. Now you might say, well, it's it's not really new. It's it's the good old tires, for example, that we've used in the process. But the process in the way we use these tires is completely new. In that context, our ability to source these types of resources from waste is actually a huge win, you know, for for our economy. And it's a fabulous way to showcase engineering innovation in so many different ways. You know, it's ultimately about, you know, creating products that are good for humanity. And so if we are going to make products that are good for humanity, we've got to go back and think about where our materials are coming from. Absolutely. And love your focus on material as the core to next step on sustainable design and so much effort has been put on the design itself but it has in recent times been more around using existing material conventional material for sustainable design but uh, you're going back to the core material level which is really I think the holy grail of getting real step change in sustainable outcomes for, for us. We're not just looking at you know it as a recycling you know challenge that we're converting plastics into plastics or glass into glass, but rather we're seeing it as a whole new way to do manufacturing. And that's why we like to talk about our work really as more micro-recycling, which is what I'm excited about, because it, it helps us actually reimagine 
our materials in a completely different way for different applications. Micro-recycling um, can be seen as a more advanced version of traditional recycling. We need to be very, very careful in the way we deal with our end-of-life products and materials and not just think about putting them away into landfill. Where we are with the industry uptake of this process in terms of percentage of steels being made using this recycled tyre yeah. approach? We've been really very, very privileged that uh, we've got industry partners you know, in Australia and of course in, in other parts of the world who've been excited about the technology. Uh, we've indeed commercialised this technology in Australia and uh, overseas um, and that's been absolutely fantastic privilege for, for me and our team. When you collectively look at, you know, number of tyres that we've recycled as a result of this green steel technology in Australia and overseas, we've actually uh, exceeded 11 million tyres globally uh, using, using our technology. That is wonderful. What inspired you to become an inventor? <laughs> as they always say, you know, curiosity is, is certainly a factor. Uh, but I think there's got to be a little bit of a craziness factor somewhere in there as well. And, and I think sometimes it's okay to be, to be a little kind of uh, crazy and uh, thinking outside the box, of course, and uh, kind of challenging the norm, um, you know, to be able to go off and, and kind of challenge the way things have traditionally happened in different industry sectors. And and, you know, kind of have those difficult questions um, that you should be prepared to answer. And I think on that journey, somewhere in there, you know, you stumble upon your own thoughts that actually give you that brilliant aha moment. Mm. And, and I can tell you there is no better feeling than when you hit upon, uh, and, and it's almost that conversation you're having with yourself, uh, which I think is the best part because, you know, as you're challenging your own thinking about how, you know, you've been thinking about something and when you stumble upon in your own thought process that sort of new way of thinking about something, um, it's a brilliant feeling. And, and I love being an inventor because I, I think to me uh, that's the best reward you can ever get um, in, in your work. That's fascinating. I guess that's, the outcome is for all of us to see. Um, the second question for you on, on that note is why feel the waste? What, what inspired you to focus on that area? Mm. There are, um, you know, a few sort of elements as to why, you know, I was passionate about waste um, from from early days when I was a kid growing up in Mumbai. Um, because, you know, I mean, one thing is, of course, um, in places like Mumbai, you do see waste everywhere. But as um, people may know that, you know, there are many, many people who make a living as waste pickers. Um, and, and I think to me, that's a very important function. You know, our society cannot exist if if we don't have that very important function. So it's an important part of our everyday lives, particularly in so many developing you know economies where we hear about stories where people work under some very horrific conditions, uh, working with really difficult waste materials. There was also an element that w we are not recognizing and rewarding uh, people who work in that space. And what if we could you know, value add. So it, it doesn't just stop at picking and collecting waste, but rather also transforming them into value added materials and products. And of course, you know, we want to be able to make it safe 
for everyone. You know, we, we want to make sure that, you know, people are working under uh, conditions that are safe, that we would consider acceptable. So it was a combination of intellectual curiosity and the that emotional element of uh, adding, uh, improving uh, both social and environmental outcome based on what what you've experienced growing up. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think to me, we're human beings and we are, you know, people with emotions. And I think it's very important that we are guided both by our passion um, and, and of course, our heads. So, you know, our heads and our hearts both have to prevail. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, I guess I love what I do because I feel I, uh, you know, using my skills, both technical skills, um, but also what I believe in and what I'm passionate about, I can bring all of that to my work. Uh, and I think to me, I see so many inspiring young people who are equally passionate um, about all of these issues. So I think, you know, the world is a better place when, when people bring uh, their passion to their work every day. Mm. And I'm... Um, uh very interested to see the younger generation see within within engineering not only the ability to solve complex problems but also uh, having a high impact to um, society and that really draws a lot of uh, uh, new generation of engineers to, to bring that social good uh, mm. to the um, as an outcome of what they do uh, absolutely and and I think to me, that's such an important element that, you know, we, we're really blessed that we've got so many young people who care, genuinely care for social issues. Uh, and the fact that, you know, engineering is now so much more than just addressing the, the technical challenges and complexities. Well, as I often say these days, engineering is the, one of the last remaining humanitarian professions on the planet. Uh, so I think I'm very pleased to hear the same message from you. If I may move on back to the topic of waste, why waste is so complex? You know, waste is a complex material because, of course, we've effectively created all kinds of sophisticated products for our everyday needs. So whether we talk about, you know, even something as basic as our phones or we talk about, you know, the windscreen glass in our cars, at the end of their lives, you know, they are complex because they're not just always a single material. You know, they could be laminated products like the windscreen glass. Um, and they're laminated because they're designed to be safety, you know, products that, uh, you know, don't go off and, um, you know, hurt us in case of an accident at the end of its life. It's not just as simple as saying, well, you know, let's treat it like any other glass and put it into a glass smelter for recycling. It may not be as simple as why don't we just delaminate it and solve the problem. Our good old humble chip packets, <laughs> right, in which we see metalized, uh, you know, lining on the inside and plastic on the outside is another good example of a laminated product. The metalized lining inside is still a very useful, you know, material. And so we need to be able to harness those types of materials through innovation and bring those back to life. Thank you. The topic of waste has grabbed a lot of media attention in recent times, and it appears there is a elevated level of awareness among the general public about waste. How has that impacted your research and your work? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, uh, we've been researching in waste transformation for many, many years at the Smart Center um, at UNSW. Um, And I think it was um, almost one of those things where um, I would have this crazy conversation with myself going, why are we not doing more in this space? And I think it was really nice um, to be able to see that recognition where indeed, you know, now with all the attention uh, that waste has received, uh, you know, particularly this year in 2018, when uh, we've had that sort of transformation coming in, into our thinking in our society and saying, you know, we need to, we need to be able to do something more and not just think of it as, you know, sending it away to other countries for further processing. So I think to me, um, it's like anything else, you know, never waste a crisis. Yes, it is seen as a crisis. And and I do agree that it's going to mean that we're going to have to all come together as businesses, as researchers, as communities to develop those solutions. Fascinating. And as a follow-on question on that, the reports in the media about the discovery of microplastic in human waste alarmed a lot of us. Microplastic particles were discovered in human waste for the first time ever in 2018. The findings came from a study of eight people from Europe, Russia and Japan, conducted by the Environment Agency Austria. Microplastic particles, which are pieces of plastic, smaller than 5 millimeters, were found in every participant's stool samples. Nine of the ten different plastics researchers tested for were found in their waste. There's some concern that the circulation of microplastics could have negative effects on the human body, including the immune system. Back to Vina and Karosh. I guess reflecting on that, what are your thoughts about this um, notion of plastic getting into the uh, ecosystem effectively to a cycle of Mm. our the effect on health and other things? Yeah, absolutely. A very important question. And this is exactly why we need to think about materials and manufacturing and processes in a, in a holistic manner. You know, we can't afford to have things like that happen, uh, whether it is to marine environment, whether it is to us as human beings, um, you know, if that ends up in our ecosystems, as, you know, you have rightly pointed out with these microplastics, um, the long-term consequences um, could be absolutely horrific. So I think we need to think right from the very beginning when we are developing products in how those products are going to be dealt with at the end of their lives. And, um, you know, we shouldn't allow these types of harmful negative consequences um, to occur, which means there's got to be a responsibility uh, where producers have to, you know, take back a lot of the products. And, of course, you know, people talk about extended producer responsibility. And in many parts of the world, that is a reality where producers have to take back. And I think to me... That should be part of our normal thinking. You know, why should we, for example, you know, have to deal with packaging in our homes? You know, I'd say if you've bought something in a store somewhere, um, the store owners should actually be prepared to take the packaging back and you should just take the product home um, or you should be able to bring the packaging back to the store. Um, And I think to me that chain of responsibility has to begin with consumers actually saying, no, you know what, Um, I don't want 
unnecessary packaging. I need to be able to bring it right back to the store. Uh, and I think once we as consumers start to think about this important issue, we can actually have a huge impact, much, much more than what we even realize. Uh, and that's what I think um, we can look forward to, in a way, shaping a better collective future for everyone. Is the concept of zero waste future ever realistic? Oh, look, uh, you know, I like to think of waste as a material uh, that is waiting to be loved, I guess is a, is a good way to, to look at it. You know, its its properties and its qualities are yet to be recognized. I think if we can take different types of waste materials on that journey with us, as we think about meeting the needs of society, looking at manufacturing as a way to address those challenges and incorporating more and more waste into um, our regular thinking in terms of how those resources um, can be utilized. And when that becomes the norm, where people would naturally go out and seek different types of, you know, products and materials as part of their manufactured solutions, I think then we will absolutely be able to see a future where waste is no longer even thought of as waste. And in fact, it's just waiting to be transformed. So absolutely, I do believe that, you know, zero waste is a very real possibility. And I think for the sake of our planet, we have to head in that direction. And on the concept of zero waste and given our increasing use of technology, what does the future of e-waste look like? Well, electronic waste uh, is is something that um, we all have to accept that we're playing a part somehow or the other. You know, we all have TVs and phones and, and, and laptops. So it's not that, you know, we're not playing a part in it. Every human being is playing a part. And we, in fact, have seen in so many developing countries where people have just skipped past the landline phone and gone straight to, you know, mobile phones, for example. And I think to me, that is a fabulous way to empower people, um, you know, no matter where you live in the world. So I think the ability to have these devices and, and have devices that are going to be affordable is an important point. So if indeed we are going to continue to have affordable solutions so that, you know, our phones, for instance, our mobile phones um, can be put in the hands of, of everyday citizens no matter where you live because it is so empowering for everyday lives, well, how are we going to make sure that the actual materials that go into manufacturing those devices are also accessible and affordable? And so in that context, you know, e-waste is is going to have to play an important role. We're going to have to look at ways in which we can reform those materials into valuable metals, for instance, so that we can put them right back into manufactured products. So along with traditional manufacturing that, of course, exists in many parts of the world, we can, in fact, look at micro factories as another solution so that that then becomes far more affordable and accessible um, for manufacturing solutions and bringing, you know, e-waste as an example, back to life in different forms. What further thoughts you have on the impact of technology, a new technology in particular, in your work? So the ability to have micro factories that are really agile and flexible, that's an important point because you can then imagine a situation where you could literally have a mobile micro factory that can in fact move around in so many regional communities and towns that would traditionally never have 
a factory operating in their town. But you can imagine if you did have these mobile micro factories that were then able to actually move across into different towns, that would then enable us to reimagine how we actually think about manufacturing. You said earlier that what drew you into becoming a scientist and inventor, particularly in your area, was the combination of intellectual curiosity and that, uh, I guess, emotional element of feeling that there is something you can do, improve in terms of society and environment. Is that still relevant or has your why of doing what you're doing has changed over time? Have you had to reimagine your career as you went along? Mm. Well, you know, fundamentally as human beings, you know, I, I certainly do believe that, you know, after a certain point, you never really change. I'll always be someone who cares for human beings in a way that I know I can bring the engineering skills and the scientific, you know, um, ability that I have to be able to help everyone think about new solutions. Thank you. Oh, that's a really wonderful story. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Veena. You've been very generous with your time and also with your thoughts and ideas you shared. I um, can uh, urge my colleagues in, in engineering community to follow your path and become more of a spokesperson for the work we do. Thank you so much for having me and it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, Kurush. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget to share this episode on social media and leave a review for us where you're listening. We want to know what you think. Tell a friend or colleague about us and they can find the podcast by searching Engineering Reimagined wherever they listen to podcasts.